over the last 11 weeks, what we've been doing here, and if this is your first time, you can jump in and just know everything that's going on and everything that we're talking about. Uh, We have been talking about Jesus and the things, the 11 parts of his life that take him from being born at Christmas to rising from the dead at Easter and what makes us think that Jesus is actually the son of God. Because if we just assumed it and forced everyone to believe it, that'd be kind of like a hostage situation. Do this and you can't leave. But what we're doing is we're looking at the 11 things that go into Jesus being the son of God, Jesus being the savior of the world and how all those things affect how we think and how we relate to Jesus and how Jesus relates to us. And so today we're talking about the last one of those, the final thing that he's gonna do because we've just been working through his life, his ministry, his resurrection, which changed everything and looking at how do these things impact how we live. And so what we're talking about today is the second coming of Jesus. This is Jesus's return. And I say this, I've been thinking about this all week. How can we talk about this in a way that all of us aren't just going to think of something like this guy? You know, the the person who's out there with a sign, with a date, this is when Jesus is coming back. And Jesus abundantly, very clearly said, no one knows. So every time somebody picks a date, That's automatically not the date. So like this whole week, I'm thinking like, how can we get away from person with a sign? How can we get away from person with a sign? I asked somebody and they said, find the guy who rides down Shaw with a sign and just have him ride through the sanctuary. (laughs) I I didn't try. Like if I said I tried, I'd be lying. But uh, you know, we got space in between the rows and you just ride from one door to the other and boom, there we go. So how can we actually do this? Because the return of Jesus is going to be the biggest thing that happens in the world. So I thought of a few things. They're over here. I'm going to bring them to you because that's how we do. All right. So first thing, the return of Jesus, that isn't just somebody with a sign. First thing is this. It's a Lego. Is it because when Jesus comes back, everybody from all walks of life and all faith traditions and everything that we can kind of think of ourselves is just magically going to fit in place perfectly and God's going to make it awesome? No, it's not that. It's something better, something bigger. Jesus says this. This is Jesus' last night with his guys. This is his moment to clarify everything that needs to be clarified in his life. Like, this is the huddle, right? They're about to slap, about to clap, go out. He's about to die for the sins of the world and rise again. And this is what we base everything off of as people who follow Jesus. If you're thinking this is a place of faith, yes. But it's not a place of faith in faith. It's a place of faith in an event. And that's the fact that Jesus rose from the dead for you and for me and is one day coming back. So... What does the Lego piece have to do with this? Jesus says this. He says, when the son of man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, sounds like a big deal. Then he will sit upon his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence and he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goat. He will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. And then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. All right, how does a Lego work into this? Okay, so I've got three kids. I've got... 13, 12, and seven. Uh, And the seven-year-old is a boy, and so he has Legos everywhere. 
All right, if there's, an out, if there's like a square inch in our house that isn't my room on the floor because he brings me creations about once a week and so they're all like stacked up on my bedside table. There's Legos everywhere. And the thing is, is as we've lived there and as Micah has gone through like Lego explosion, there has never been a moment where somebody stepped on a Lego and wasn't immediately sure that they stepped on a Lego. If you've ever stepped on a Lego, you know exactly what I'm talking about. There's Nate's... You know, I feel like my foot has just split in two. Hundred pieces. I might have stepped on a Lego. Like he's getting older, so this is the only thing he cries about is stepping on a Lego. For good reason. It hurts. There's an alert that happens when you step on a Lego. So what does this have to do with Jesus coming back? What this has to do is when Jesus came into the world on Christmas, that thing that you're already shopping for and already decorating for, even though clearly December 15th is the day to decorate for Christmas. I have a plan. The first time Jesus came into the world, he did it in secret. The people who brought out the message and told everybody were shepherds. And and, and in that culture, nobody trusted shepherds. They weren't even allowed to testify in court because they lied about everything. So God's plan is Jesus is coming into the world in secret. Because when he comes back into the world, there's going to be no secret. It is an alert. The reason why it's an alert, because that's the moment where Jesus establishes himself as savior of the world. And the same man who claimed that he could predict his own death, predict his own resurrection, predict his own ascension, going back into heaven, and then pulled it off exactly as he says. He's inviting us to trust him with how the world is going to end one day. The biggest event in the world is Jesus coming back, and, and the biggest alert in our hearts is how can we respond individually? Your parents can't do it for you. Your kids can't do it for you. Your pastor can't do it for you. But when we're asked, why, why should we be let into heaven at the end of the world? Our answer to that question is an alert. It's us to say either Jesus died for my sins, that's how I have a relationship with God. Because it's not about being holy, it's the fact that Jesus' holiness covers your holiness. Did Jesus die for our sins or not? And so the second coming is an alert. It's a warning for us. How, who do we say that Jesus is? If you think, man, that, that sounds really, really like harsh and really mad and hell is hot and forever is a long time. A couple things. One is Jesus never, Jesus is the person, the only, the, the person in the Bible who talks about hell the most is Jesus because he wants you and me to have an understanding of what hangs in the balance for our lives after we're gone. Well, why don't you talk about stuff more loving? Because God is love, so talk about all the loving things about God. What I want to say to that is beyond, underneath God's love, the foundation of God's love is God's, a word that we don't want to talk about other people with is God's holiness. God's holiness is what motivates and drives and pushes everything about him. God's holiness is what causes him to chase after busted up people like you and me. Because he knows, one, that within that holiness, there is a perfect, never stopping, never ending, never giving up, always and forever love for you and me. Based on whatever decision that we can make that screws up our life, God's love isn't impacted by that. Within that love, there is an understanding in your life and mine that we are sinners. I don't stand up here because I don't think I'm a sinner. I stand up here because I know where my sins have been taken and paid for, and that's in Jesus. So for all of us, we are separated from God by our sin because God is holy and you and I aren't. 
Like we don't even have to resist that. We can step into that. We aren't holy. And so God said, because I'm holy, because my people aren't, I'm gonna send Jesus into the world to bring my people to me. And so the reason why we're so excited about who Jesus is is because Jesus' death on a cross, that's why Christians love crosses, brought humanity into a relationship with God, gave us the opportunity to have a relationship with God, gave us the decision to say, why should I be led into heaven? Because Jesus died for my sins. To believe that, to internalize that, for let that to shape everything about us. So it's real easy to look at that and say, okay, well, well, what if... What if that's not all true? What if God was wrong? If God was wrong, then everything else that we say is meaningless. But again, Jesus predicted his own death. Jesus is God with skin on, predicted how he was going to die, predicted how he rose from the dead. And so our faith is tied to that, that the tomb was empty and it's never been filled. And Jesus appeared to hundreds and hundreds of people even after he was publicly executed. And so we have faith in the fact that Jesus, who says these things, says that he had to die to bring people into the world, that that, that, into, into a relationship with God, that, that that means something. There's truth behind that. Well, what if Jesus just didn't ask the right question? What if Jesus did, did, just didn't get an answer from God? Well, the truth in that is Jesus did ask God. And on the night he was betrayed, he said, is there any way that I wouldn't have to die? And God very clearly said, no, you're going to have to go to the cross. And God validated that stance. God validated Jesus' death by rising him from the dead. So we're pushing back again to the fact that this is an alert. This is a moment for humanity to decide, for every one of us to recognize we're running away from God. God sent Jesus into the world to bring us back to him. And as a church, our mission, our privilege is to tell the world about that. That's saying that the second coming, Jesus coming back, we don't know when, but it's an alert. It's a moment for us to make a decision. Where do we stand with Jesus? And if you're here today and you're far from God, then I'm gonna give you a chance in a few minutes to begin a relationship with Jesus, to find forgiveness of your sins. That the same God who came into the world to bring you to him thousands of years ago is still hungry is still on the move and still wants a relationship with you. So that's the first thing. It's an alert. Second thing is this. Why this? It's a great question. Same passage, next verse. It talks about this. Jesus says, says, I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. And then the king will turn to those on his left and say, away with you, you cursed ones into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. For I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty and you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger and you didn't invite me into your house. I was naked and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison and you didn't visit me. And then they will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not help you? And he will answer, I tell you the truth, when you refuse to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you are refusing to help me and they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. So the point there isn't that there's social work to do that's gonna lead us into heaven one day. The point is, is that there's work to do. 
We got work to do. And that's what this symbolizes. Like here in Fresno, especially in that horrible season we've just come through called summer, we know. Water is important. Lots of water is even better. And so we live in a world where you and I have work to do. I'm a Christian. I want everyone in a relationship with God. And that's not just so that one day Jesus comes back and we're going to win. It's not about winning. It's about running up the score. It's about seeing everyone that we know move into a relationship with God. And so why do all those things? Like that's a lot of work of what the guy talked about, going to prison and food and clothes and all this stuff. Why do we do that? It's because we live out the work that Jesus has done in us. That's our word. That's our job. If you're a here and you're a follower of Jesus for the rest of your life, what Jesus has for you in myriad different ways, because this looks different for all of us, is we live out the joy of our salvation. The, the, that work to do, it goes inside of us. It burrows into our hearts. It takes root in you and me. And then it gets lived out every way possible. We go verbal with it like we talked about Tuesday night at Alpha. We let it saturate in our hearts and then come out through everything. We don't stay silent. We don't stay inactive. We push into every opportunity possible to see people around us come to know Jesus. So another story about my son. I like talking about him because he's a lot like me. Um, and Tuesday night, my middle daughter, Ellie, was in a school drama. And so we're there to watch it. And just the question is, okay, Micah watched it during the day. So a seven-year-old in a 90-minute drama, he's going to go nuts. All right? This is just part of it. This is a reality for us. And there was one moment where he was totally locked in and 100% like calm, perfect, good kid, sitting in a seat, just loving being around people. And as a seven-year-old, that was the moment where they played the song that had the burp and fart sound in it, okay? And, and the thing is, is, he's rolling in his chair, laughing hysterically, and it's not even the first time of the day that he's heard it. It's the second. So he's got a moment to let that exuberance just like grow inside of him. And then they played the song and he's laughing and he's going crazy and he's like, wait for it, everybody. And just everything is so much fun for him. No one sitting anywhere near him thought, maybe this kid is a prude. Maybe he's going to think this is immature. He is immature because he's my son. That's what we do. <laughs> but there was a joy in his heart that was making a difference in him and, and, and as his family. Like we're sitting around watching him. The girl who is singing, she's not here today, so we can say this. Uh, we're, we're watching him just roll over in his chair. He's laughing so hard. For us as Jesus followers, that's our response because there's work to do and it should make a difference inside of us. The way that we live, we're living knowing that one day Jesus is going to come back. And one thing we can't do in heaven is we can't tell people about Jesus. That day is going to end. When Jesus comes back, the time for us to use our lives to do work that he's set out for us, that's going to end. And so in the meantime, what we do is we let the work that Jesus sets in front of you and me to be God's ambassadors, everywhere where you go in life, we let that guide us. We let that push us. We let that control us. There was a great line from the Live the Mission banquet that we had a few weeks ago where, where a guy who lives in the Middle East and does ministry among people who, who don't follow Jesus at all. And they're hostile to Christians. He's, a, he's having a bad day like all of us have bad days. And there's a moment where he prays and he says, God, God, I don't care about Arabs today. I don't care about them. I'm done with them. 
I'm sick of them today. But I know that you're not. And so I want to see them the way that you see them. And your address, your school, your seating chart, your house, your neighborhood, your street. There are going to be moments where you and I don't care about those people around us who don't know Jesus, who when Jesus comes back for them, it will be a very bad day. And so our response is to say, all right, God, I know you got work to do. And I want to be part of that work. So give me a heart that cares for people around you who don't care about you. I want that heart today. Because there's work to do. The third thing is this. Third thing about the second coming is what it says to all of us loud and clear is welcome home. I mean, it's, it's November of 2021, which means for the last 20 months now, church has been filled with people who have just been put through the ringer. Like this has been a tough 20 months. And so what we look at as believers when we talk about the second coming is that one day everything is gonna be made right again. And Jesus is gonna say to us, welcome home. There's a verse of a guy who written by, like, who, who heard Jesus say these things, who went through some tough things. Like we look at this, there's nobody in here who look at what this guy goes through and says, oh, that's kid stuff. This guy had a tough life and Jesus comes to him and gives him a bunch of visions of what the end of the world is gonna look like. And he says this in Revelation 21, he says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven like a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I'm making everything new. And then he said to me, write this down for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, it is finished. I am the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. All who are victorious will inherit all these blessings and I will be their God and they will be my children. And that's the end of pain, persecution, oppression, and to everyone whose life has been messed up either before March of 2020 or since then, Jesus says, trust me. Because one day I'm going to come back and I'm going to make everything right. The ground is level at the foot of the cross, which means that all of us, every single one of us, me included, has sin that needs to be turned away from. The church is the big signpost in the world saying you need to make a U-turn in all of our lives. And in that levelness, in that equality for people to need to turn from sin, there's also equality in the fact that the things in this life that we have suffered through, we have not suffered alone. Because we worship a God who's coming back. One day, all the suffering will end. I mean, John had, the, the guy who's writing this, John, he was a guy who actually followed Jesus. Jesus had 12 followers. John was one of the 12 and he was the youngest of the 12, which meant that he lived the longest after everybody else was killed, after his brother was killed, after so many of the other disciples were killed. There's a moment where they tried to kill John by boiling him in a vat of oil, only it didn't work. So they sent him out to an island to just live alone, not telling anybody about Jesus because he's there alone, and to die. 
And there's never a moment in this where Jesus starts to roll out what the end of the world will look like, where John says, this isn't good enough. What about me? Instead, his reaction to everything throughout it all is this is going to be worth it. The end is good enough to backfill every amount of oppression, of suffering, of loss that we've experienced. And we can trust that because the guy who says it, the guy who hears it from Jesus is a guy who experiences more loss than you and I ever will. So he's not saying that to, to make us feel bad. It's, it's, again, it's an invitation from a loving heavenly father who wants a relationship with us. If you're here and you're not a Christian, today's your day to say yes to Jesus. If you're here and you are a follower of Jesus, today's your day once again in a fresh way to say amen. God, there's work to do and I wanna do the work for you. I wanna work where you send me. I wanna be an example and a light and a verbal witness to the people around whom you've placed me. And for those of you who you, it was everything you could just to get here and sit down because of everything you're carrying, Jesus one day is gonna make it right for us. He's gonna make it right for you. Knowing everything you carry, he's gonna make it right for you. And the celebration will be much better than all the pain that we've endured. So let's stand and let's pray.